Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion with our subject on substance today. Um, we are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And thank you for joining us. We'll start with our morning prayer. Uh, this morning, I will read from page 21 of 500 watching points and 95 of um, miscellaneous writings, or retrospection, sorry, and introspection. Mrs. Eddy included this in her book. I see myself as God's own child, as perfect in his sight. I see my brother man as well, a perfect child of light. Then to complete my prayers, I see him seeing me aright. I see him seeing me, seeing him as perfect in love's sight. Ask God to give thee skill in comfort's art, that thou mayest be consecrated and set apart unto a life of sympathy, for heavy is the weight of ill in every heart, and comforters are needed much of Christ-like touch. That's by A.E. Hamilton. Thank you, that's beautiful. All right, our watching point. Watch number 203. Watch lest you be like the dog in Aesop's fables, which looking into the water, thought he saw another dog with a bone. In trying to get the second bone, he lost the one he had. Animal magnetism tricks us into letting go our hold on substance in the attempt to seize the shadow. Lust is really the belief in effect as substance and the consequent desire for it, which causes one to lose substance in its shadow. The animal magnetism that befools mortal man into seeking effect rather than cause is described in Psalm 106, where the children of Israel lusted exceedingly in the wilderness. The baneful effect on their spiritual thought of yielding to this error, namely, of believing that effect could satisfy man's spiritual yearning, and that the hunger man and the hunger man feels is for effect, is graphically set forth in these words. And God sent leanness into their soul. All right. Comments on that. This made me think how you have to be grateful for what you have and not keep wanting more. Because if you're not grateful, you're going to lose it. And God gives you only good. So <laughs> thank you. Very good. I think also, too, it's important to, when you come here to remember why you came here. You know, life was not good. And it wasn't good for the children of Israel in Egypt. And yet they kept murmuring and kept wanting to go back. Right. We do not want to be that way. Yes. Thank you. The beginning of miscellany. Lest we forget. 
what we've come out of. Anyone? I like in, uh, in oh, I'm sorry. But no. Are you finished, Mary? Yes. <laughs> um, the article in God is Individual Consciousness, um, he brings out how um, the what we're really seeking and need to focus on is the principle and not ever the effect or the claim or whatever. It's the principle that we're in, that we're interested, not in what it's going to do. But if we focus on the principle, on the cause, which principle is the, is the principle, then that takes care of effect. But we never look at effect or look at the claim or and start from there. We start from principle. And I like how he brings that out in, in that article. Very good. Thank you. Very important. We get focused on the problem, focused on the effect. And it's not being absent from the body and present with the Lord. Well, and you know, the children of Israel, they seem to just represent mortal mind, don't they? I looked up that Psalm 106. It wasn't a good one. <laughs> it wasn't one of these cheery psalms. Um, and then I looked up this commentary. Um about sent leanness unto the, their soul. The sad and disturbing verse recalling recall, a tragic event in the history of Israel provides a sober reminder that we need to be unselfish in our prayers. The Lord had indeed wonderfully provided daily bread for the children of Israel there in the wilderness every day. In fact, for 40 years, it was marvelous bread from heaven. But they weren't satisfied. They demanded that someone provide meat for them. Yeah, and God gave them their request. He caused a strong wind to blow, a little literal rain of quail upon their camp. But then, leanless unto their soul, they gorged themselves on meat. But it caused a great plague, and many died. The word leanness refers to physical emaciation, but the spiritual leanness was far more devastating. God may or may not be pleased to bless a believer with material prosperity, but this should never be the theme of our prayers. Paul says, having food and raiment, let us therefore therewith be content. And that's just what Sharon was saying. They who desire to be rich, he says, fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts. The Church of Laodicea, typical of many evangelic Evangel oh, I never can say that. Evangelical. Thank you. <laughs> Even well, anyway, <laughs> churches is an example of this danger. This church could boast, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Unaware that she was lean of soul, wretched and miserable, poor and blind and naked. Revelation 3. So I think that all of you sum this up very well but the human mind is never satisfied never grateful um and also in that psalm it goes on to say they became jealous of moses and aaron you know i was thinking 
God did. They did this to themselves. Yes. It, it looks like they, God did do that. He loved them. It gave them and gave it, and their raven, it never it yes. waxed, you know, waxed old. It stayed the same, and they were strong. <laughs> their feet didn't swell in the desert. I mean, he took perfect care of them, but they were never content. And they, and then, yes, and then that, that horrible breaking the commandment, thou shalt not covet, they became, which is actually Florence's favorite, I understand. <laughs> anyway, not really, I'm kidding. Um, anyway, they, uh, and Carrie sent me an article called The Sophistry of Comparison, which is kind of the, you know, it's not a good thing, false reasoning. Um, and again, what danger that brings you into when you start comparing and are jealous of other people and <clears throat> think you want what they have. And it, it brings out in the article very beautifully about, um, flowers and that and and it in the lesson this week it talks about how nature teaches us many lessons doesn't it so all the flowers are different right they're all different they all are beautiful some of them are in deserts some of them maybe no person will ever see them but they fulfill their their beauty um and happy being who and what god made them to be and, we, and so should we be. And so should we be. Living stones, we each in our place. May, may we be worthy such a grace. And yes, the very beginning of miscellany and prose works. Lord of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. Kipling's recessional. So... And I often think of that because I, remembering what I came out of, what life was like before I came here, uh, my goodness, I'm just so very, very grateful every day to be so grateful for what we have and what is give, what God has given us. And so, I think that's a part of remembering your first love. It sure is. Thank you. Anyone else on that? It was an interesting, interesting watching point. Dear Carpenter was so wise. Well, I thought about the prodigal son parable too, because it seems to fit that as well. You know, he, he lusted after something else, left his father's house, had to be brought low. Then it also occurred to me, even the one that didn't leave his father's house, you know, you still have to, sometimes you think you're in the father's house, but you're letting your, your thought drop like the older, like the other brother did who stayed at home, but then got kind of envious when the brother came back. So clearly his, his soul got a little lean. Yes, it did. It does yeah. one way. It'll try to get you another. <laughs> Go ahead. Who? No, I think if you're really grateful for what you've been given, then you're rich in that and you're satisfied. It's, it's that it just, Gratitude, like somebody said earlier, gratitude for what we have, because God has given us many. Much. And don't we have a hymn somewhere that says gratitude is riches? Yes. Mm -hmm. Complaint is poverty. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, very important. 
And yes, isn't that sad? Lusting for something else and then you lose what you have. It's an awful situation. It also made me think of, you know, lusting for something else is really opening the door so Eric can have a filled day with you. Yes. Yep. Um, the grass is never greener. Enjoy your own grass, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Have your own road to hoe, as they say. I I used to, when my kids were young, I, I taught them that you know everyone has their own burden, so we don't we don't want to add to anybody's burden. But then after coming here, I realized. We all have perks for being us too, you know, and we have to remember that. <laughs> it's not right. it's not all burden. So <laughs> Absolutely not. No. No. And um that poem um that Florence started out with about we see ourselves right and then others seeing us right. It's one of my very favorites. I just had Jeremy add that to our uh, Gilbert Carpenter. Yeah, it's on the article site now. Yes. And and regarding our burdens, we have so many perks that we can bear one another's burdens. And we should. And we must. Mm-hmm. We must. Because that is why we are here. And that was the second beautiful poem that um, Florence read by A.E. Hamilton. I, I had that, um, I had it framed and I keep it in one of my bedroom because I love that poem to be reminded of how, yes, we're here to help one another. It's beautiful. Also, um, just, so, just so you know, sometimes I don't, I won't, might not reference where something comes from. Um, uh, there's a reason for that. Uh, you know, we were once, Boston came after us for wanting to publish something that Carpenter wrote. Um, but I will say an interesting story that David Keaston told us, that they came after him for publishing uh, Mary Baker Eddy, Her Spiritual Footsteps, by Gilbert Carpenter. And... Um, And said that they had the copyright to it. Yes, and said they had the copyright to it. And so he said, okay, you prove it, and I will stop. And they never heard another word from him, them. So they can be bullies, evidently, which I thought was an interesting story. But anyway, um, and and dear Carrie and, and others, too, we're always checking to make sure what we publish is not under copyright. Or if it is, that we get permission to do so. That's right. So this is kind of interesting that they want, didn't want him to publish the Carpenter book, yet they won't sell it themselves. <laughs> right. They just don't want anybody to know it even exists. That's right. Well, and anybody who's read it will understand why. <laughs> right? Yes. It's a rebuke to the human mind, which is in full control in Boston, unfortunately. And, um, yeah, after one year of living with Mrs. Eddy, 
Carpenter wrote, how many books? My goodness. Wow. I mean, he gave us 500 watching points, watches Persian arguments. Um, he took really good notes when he was there. He sure <laughs> did. And then tell them, Linda, what you found. Um, when uh, Carpenter was putting together spiritual footsteps, Clifford Smith was in Boston at the time, and he asked uh, Carpenter to bring the book up. Well, actually, he didn't want it. He wanted the notes. That's what he wanted. He wanted all the notes that Carpenter had to use because he wanted to write a book himself. And then Carpenter brought the book complete up and uh, it was ready to publish. And Clifford Smith was very angry because he wanted to be able to use it, but he couldn't use it because. <laughs> Carpenter. Well, and rightfully so, because that was Carpenter's demonstration. Exactly. Only Carpenter could have done that. Um, so anyway. Yes. Clifford Smith wanted to piggyback yeah. on Carpenter's demonstration. Right. <clears throat> yeah, when you look at Clifford's uh, Smith book, it's very different. So just a lot of facts. Yes. They're good facts, and some of them are very inspiring. But uh, Carpenter took it. and. But it would be up to the reader to take inspiration from it, right? Exactly. <laughs> so and it's right. just like one after another, too. It's, it's very systematic and very historic rather than the inspired and Carpenter did this because even during Mrs. Eddy's time, she was under such attacks and he wanted to put, show her in the right light. And that's why it's such a crime not to have these books available, which show her in her right light. So thank God we have them and share them. And then after that, they went after Carpenter. They went after Carpenter. Yes. Yeah. And it's fun too. It's funny. I was, I had read, I think it was the Gottschalk book that the, that the reading room does have in there. And he made kind of a negative comment about Carpenter talking about how he, how Carpenter put like a, like almost like a crazy emphasis on Mrs. Eddie and everything that she did. I forget how he put it, but it was not. No, it wasn't deifying. It was just more of a, almost like Carpenter, like, read way too much into everything she did. And he, he put that in his biography, which I thought was laughable. Thank you. And, and Peel did too. He cast doubt about Carpenter's reputation. I remember that. Um, so this is, this is, you know, the jealousy and the, and the human mind coming in and uh, yeah, I would try to spoil something beautiful and perfect and it can't be done. I was reading the, the opening chapter in Eustace's Clear Correct Teaching book, and I just kind of wanted to refamiliarize myself with what he went through. And he, you know, he's so clear on it. And he wasn't, I don't, you don't get the feeling that he was like impressed by it. What he, what he really came to realize, it was just the ecclesiasticism that Mrs. Eddy had warned about, which is why she created the deed of trust. Why she wanted separation of, of power the same way our government was created. You're, we're supposed to have, you know, checks and balances. And that was the wisdom that she was given to do. So, you know, we shouldn't be, you know, surprised by this. This is, you know, Gary said it earlier, the human mind in full bloom or just ecclesiasticism. And now we and everyone, we've been expelled from that. So <laughs> thank God. Thank God is right. We rejoice. And yes, really, everyone should read that in the Eustace book. He explains it so beautifully 
And, you know, he overcame it all. He never hated. He never, he always saw it in the right light. And he led a long and productive and happy life, as did Carpenter Sr. Jeremy, what did you say? I, well, after, actually, I recently read that uh, beginning to the useless book as well. And afterward, I just got this feeling that anyone who was excommunicated, it was because they loved Mrs. Eddie and they did not hold back the fact that they loved Mrs. Eddie and anybody that stayed, you know, either kept it down or didn't love her. So that's the way it feels to me. Yeah. Love her more. Yeah. You need to learn to love me more. You know, I remember when I was a member of the branch church, how I really did think or believe that I was when I was supporting everything that the board was doing and what they said and when they were saying something bad about the carry letters and all this stuff I really thought I was on the right side and I I just I I really believed that what the mother church was telling us in the board until it came to that moment when somebody told me that they had done something to science and health and that's what made me, that's when the the whole thing started to fall apart. But until that point, I really, I really was convinced I was upholding the right thing. But boy, did it come crashing down when I learned they had changed the textbook. But, you know, these people, they, they really, I just thought I was being a loyal Christian scientist, you know, to support the, and anything they said was, must be right. Well, well I, and so did we. So did we. And so did Mrs. Evans. Yep, she said the board yeah. were the stars and the crown of rejoicing. Yep. Loyalty is a good thing until you get burned by it. So. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and then you realize what you should be loyal to. Yeah, and it was right. You know, you were you were loyal to your highest sense of right. When you learned all, yeah. all, something else, then you changed. So, uh, yeah. All right, yeah. sub. I looked up that word. It's the essential part, something real, not imaginary. And uh, yeah, you want to read our golden text, Jeremy? Matthew. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Okay. I sometimes think I'd look up the word man. Mantra, mantra. I think if we had a mantra for our church, that would be it. It's very important, isn't it? That statement of Christ Jesus. Um, and a, a mantra is something repeated frequently. So, what does that really mean then? It puts things in the proper order. You don't want to. You don't want to take the wrong steps to try to get what's good in life. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Thank you. You see what's most important. I put um, yes. I put the word cause under kingdom of God. I put the word cause over it. Seek the Seek cause. First, the cause. The mm -hmm. cause. The one and only <clears throat> cause or divine principle, which is always right. Mm -hmm. And you stay there, and all these things shall be added unto you. It sounds like we're just restating the watching point, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, and the kingdom of God, is there anything 
materialistic about it? No. 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 No, it is a totally spiritual thing. And and it happens to be everything. So if you seek the spiritual reality of everything, you will you will be provided with what you humanly need along your journey. So, I mean, this is the essence of substance, isn't it? The yes. Reality. But I know when I first came to Christian science, I mean, I was seeking, I wasn't seeking that. I definitely was not seeking that. I was seeking, you know, a better life, a physical healing or better relationships or better job, better something. But I was not seeking that. It took me a while to understand this and the depth of it. And how many people do that? I, You know, as a practitioner, you're always people, new people coming. They, they don't say, oh, once in a while I'll get one. I, I want to know God better. They say I have, you know, they give me a to-do list. Very rarely. Yeah, very rarely. But until we get to the point where the first and most important thing that we want is to know God better and to know what is truly real in life. Until we get to that point, we're just scratching the surface. And we, we never really will get these other things. Because all these other things are definitely a byproduct of seeking him. It's a byproduct. And you've got to realize it's a byproduct. It'll come, but only, oh, yeah, you look over on the side. Oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> but it's not where your focus is. And you might even, I've had, I've had people, and it's happened to myself, too. You don't even realize it's happened. Oh, yeah, I was healed of this. I was healed of that. Or I got this or I got that. That's why I encourage everyone to keep a gratitude book and write it down so you remember it and see it and thank God for all this good that he has provided. Well, and I think that that's the key. Because when you do get what you need and you thank God for it and you remember where it came from, you, no, nobody can take it from you and you can't lose it. Yeah. But if you get what you need and, and don't thank God and just go on your merry way, well, you're likely to not be so grateful for it. You're, you're likely to not be totally satisfied having it. You're likely to want something else, something more. People who you might even lose what you got. That's it. Exactly. And people who have a lot. But don't thank God for it. Consistently are unsatisfied and want more. And that's the definition of hell. It is not the kingdom of God. I've thought a lot about what we're talking about right now. I thought I know so many Christian scientists who, because they weren't healed of something, left science completely. 
and it occurred to me because I mean, I've gone through some things too, where I've, you know, pretty horrific, challenging things. And at the end of the day, though, I, I realized like it still has to be about getting closer to God. You know, if I was only in it just to be healed, then it never, it means I never really cared about getting to know God. It just meant that I cared about being healed. And if that doesn't happen and I leave, then I don't think God was ever in the middle of it. But I do realize that it seems like in the movement, it, you know, so many other churches don't ever expect, they, they go to church because they want to know God. Most of the other Christian churches don't expect healing, but they still go. And yet here in Christian science, if you don't get your healing, you stop going. You stop trying to learn. And that, that is seeing How ironic. It, I know. That's a ha, 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 I say to that. <laughs> that show That separates the men from the boys. And I know recently I talked to you about that, Lenny, because I know, you know, you you've gone through some tough times, but you have stuck. And that brings us into our responsive reading. But before I get there, um, it, it's it's so important that you're not here for the loaves and fishes. That's why did Jesus say that? Oh, you just came for the loaves and fishes. You just came for the healing. And that's why a lot of people do drop out. I didn't get my healing, so I'm out of here. I'll, I'll try something else. That's why this this statement is so incredibly important. And it's seeking the kingdom of God and what else? His righteousness. And his righteousness. His righteousness. Seems to me that's about living it. <laughs> Thank you. There's a moral standard here. This is where we're separated from the from new age, where you just, oh, you know, think good thoughts and you'll bring them into your experience. This is about living it. This is about the Sermon on the Mount. This is about the Ten Commandments. Seek his righteousness. Seek how he lived his life. Seek, seek how Mrs. Eddy lived her life without ever hating and all that she did. This is a this is a huge statement here. I feel that you know if if we come only to look for the fishes right away we are dishonoring God to begin with because we are saying that what he has created is not perfect to begin with. And yet if we seek him first we will be awakened to the to the incredible perfect spiritual um, being that he has created. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that's really the whole crux of the matter. When you seek him first, you'll find out you're not sick. You're not lacking. You're not any of these things. And that's why you'll have them. (laughs) And it's wonderful. But otherwise, you're always seeking, 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 and it's accretion and not unfoldment. You want to add on to your life when, in fact, you have everything. Thank you, Florence. Do you want to say something? Florence said it all. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, Jeremy. So many of the fruitage things that I, you know, I read the fruitage a lot, and so many of them, when they were healed, immediately started working for healing others. I found it very interesting that even though they were new, supposedly, and, and but had all these healings, the first thing they wanted to do was help others. So that's, that's that it. really has to be the result. Thank oh. you. That's it. That's the giving back. 
And if, if that's not there, then whoops, something's not right. And that's it. People will just accept the healing and go on selfishly and have no desire to uh, give back. As you read, was it last week or about Job? <laughs> what? He got, he got what he desired when he prayed for his brothers. Yeah. That's also part of seeking his righteousness, the righteousness of the Christ. Because that's certainly that's what the Christ did. So, and all this relates to substance because this is what's really real. Is the definition is of it. Well, and this just to finish this off. This is why Jesus' life is an example for us. He didn't come here to show us some magic show, which is what I'm afraid a lot of Christian denominations think. He was here to show us how to live our lives. And it's a challenge because it's very different from what the world tells you. <laughs> but he was the perfect example. And Mrs. Eddy saw it clearly. And she became a really good example for us, too. Which is why she was so attacked by the human mind. Even the ecclesiasticism in her own organization. Which she knew would happen. She knew it. Okay, Jeremy, would you read uh, the first two responsive readings, one and two? Okay. Deuteronomy. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. Thank you. Now, this one arrested my attention. Um, that word 40. That's in the Bible a lot, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And so I looked up a commentary about that one. It said it was mentioned 146 times in the scripture. Our wandering around, you know, with the law case from start to finish was about 40 years. That seems, it seemed like forever. I wondered if it would ever end. But it did. And 40 years compared to eternity is a flash in the pan, right? <laughs> so I, I'm bringing this out, and I'm going to read some more things about 40, because I know we, we do say, how long, Lord? And Florence and I talk amongst us because we know how long some things took with us. But we don't want to discourage anybody. And healing should come. And sometimes it comes very quickly. Sometimes it doesn't. So why it said this, to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. 
40 years represents a testing time. Are you are you really sincere about this? Or are you just going to pop off? Give you time to repent, too. <laughs> That's true, too. <laughs> Plenty of repentance time. Thank you. It's never too late. <laughs> I, I had a case where I, I was suffering and going on for days. And then I had a conversation with unknown seen enemies that I am not quitting and and kept arguing that I would work until I was all that God made. I could see it. And then pop, it ended, you know, because the tool was to discourage me. But when it couldn't discourage me, it was of no use. It left you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. And that's it. And when era knows that you mean business and you don't care how long it takes, you know, it's going to back off, but you got to talk to it like Craig did. But if it, if it thinks it can play around with you, it will. But there is a statement in the Bible that says, resist the devil. And what? It will leave. It will flee from you. Thank you. <laughs> It will run, flee. <laughs> Sky means business, I'm out of here. <laughs> and, and, you know, all these things, it's, it's testing you. I mean, that's to humble you and to prove thee, to know what was in your heart. What is in your heart? Are you the good seed or not? So in this article, the meaning of the number 40 so it's mentioned 146 times in the scripture, generally symbolizes a period of testing, trial, or probation. During Moses' life, he lived 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the desert, mm -hmm. before God selected him to lead his people out of slavery. So how long was, how old was he then? <laughs> he was 80. Aaron was 83. Aaron was 83. Mrs. Evans was Mrs. Evans. Mrs. Eddy was 80 when she established the Christian Science Monitor, right? And all the other work she did. So don't think you're getting old here. No such thing. There's no such thing. It's, that's it. A number. Reg Carey would say when he was asked how old he is, I'm as old as God. <laughs> so Moses was also on the Mount Sinai for 40 days and nights. Receiving God's law, he also spent spies for 40 days to investigate the land. <laughs> Prophet Jonah powerfully warned ancient Nineveh for 40 days that its destruction would come because of its many sins. It goes on and on about 40 days and 40 nights and 40 years. So to me, that put it in perspective it's just yes a testing time and not to complain focus on the enduring the good and the true focus on all the healings you have had don't just be focused on this one thing that you think you need and you haven't had i and i, I remember a time i said you know if god will sustain you through those times if he said if other people have gone through it for 40 days certainly you can too so it's like it's helpful to remind yourself that don't don't worry that you're limited in what you can deal with. He helped them and sustain you for as long as you need to be sustained. Thank you. 
Yes. And I, I love in that part in, Cho- in The Chosen, when Jesus sends his disciples out, what does he tell them? And I mean, it's in the Bible, too. <laughs> God would meet their needs. He was, what you mean to say? Send you out as sheep among wolves. Oh, well, no, what you're saying. Go ahead. Oh, that, that, that. He would provide for them. Yeah, they couldn't take any extra clothes. They couldn't take any food. Don't take any food. And they said, what, are you kidding me? (laughs) Don't take an extra set of shoes. We're going to take some food with them. Yeah, the ones that were looking forward to taking their mother's cinnamon buns. (laughs) 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 I mean, isn't that daunting? But when you go through this 40 years of of trial, you run, run into that. Save Lord or I perish. And it's a very good for building your trust in God. You'll come out of that. You will never be the same person you once were when you have nothing to lean on but God. It's all stripped away from you. And that's such a good thing. Mm -hmm. But I'll admit, when you're starting out on this path and you hear this story, you think, oh, I'm not... (laughs) I don't want to have anything to do with this because I know how that's how I felt. (laughs) But well, just worry about just that's that's what Mrs. A said too. Don't worry about tomorrow. (laughs) That's it. That's it. That's it. And God supplies all your needs today. That's the Lord's prayer, and that you can do one step enough for me. That's all. I feel that that's why we should never forget that we are separated from him. I think that's so helpful. You know, no matter what's happening, I think we lose sight of us always being with him. And that that is can be frightening. But really, when you constantly know God with me, I'm with him. You know, I live in him after all. That's what the Bible says. We live in him, move, have our being in him. If that's prominent in thought. I think that is very helpful through these times. Thank you. Thank you. It is very helpful. And it's it's, it's also important, I think, to remember that if you were raising children, to, to encourage them to lean on God. I mean, I look at, you know, you look through history, people who have accomplished great things, many of them, most of them were deprived of human comfort. Many of them were persecuted. Many of them had a huge amount to overcome. They were forced to rely on God. They were, in, they were, they were forced to go deep into their heart and, and find a reason to live and to accomplish something. And they did. So there's nothing wrong with being deprived of a lot of human comfort and having to fight for what is right. The Revolutionary Army. That's it. That's what they established. Exactly. What does it mean to commit your way Unto the Lord. Give up everything for him. Never back down. Good. It means to be obedient to what God has for you to do. 
hard for it. Yeah, I think when you want something, you know, you you say, but you know, not not my will, Father, but Thy be be done, and you just yield and see, you know, what what is brought. Because that's all you can do, just practically, kind of day by day. You know, things come up at home and work uh, situations, and it's natural to kind of have an idea of how you want things to turn out. But you just have to say, okay, but you know, it's best for me and. All, uh, what is that? Um, all things work together for good to them that love God. Kind of attitude. Yes, to them that are called according to his purpose. Thank you. That's it, Deb. No other will. Commit. You don't have a way, okay? You don't have a way. Only God. It's God's way. And Mrs. Eddy, in miscellaneous writings, her article, The Way, right? <laughs> and she brings out what is this love, humility, and. It's giving yourself to him entirely. Yes, that's committing your way. It's got to be his way or the highway. <laughs> anyway, only God's way. And 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 then when you do that, um, trust him and also, and he shall bring forth thy righteousness of the light and thy judgment as the noonday. And then when you have a, some big task to do, just think about, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So know that he is ordering your steps, your way to get through it day by day. And we can delight in doing that. <laughs> yes, that's because right. Because it's, it's always the best thing for us. That's the wonderful thing about it. And the good he has for us is better than we can even imagine that we would have thank you yes his way is always the best way yeah. now briefly i wanted to mention that um linda has done another one of these beautiful watching books she's done one on contagion children government and the latest is on weather and what she does is she gathers the most wonderful statements that we all work with you know uh, and puts them all in one little booklet. She also has beautiful pictures, drawings. Um, Dale A. sent us some beautiful pictures that she's included. And then there's Luann and maybe some others. Um, pictures, photographs, too. But one I, I think is interesting, that because sometimes people about watching, oh, you can't see the result of the work and things like that. This is from Watches, Prayers, and Arguments. One reason Mrs. Eddy kept Mrs. Sargent working on the weather may have been because students must work on specific problems where the proof of God's presence demonstrated is evinced by the harmony manifested, like the weather. Because demonstrations which carry proof of the success of one's work are necessary to encourage and convince one of the value and effectiveness of his work in preparation for that larger work that awaits every man where he reflects the divine power that rules nations, but where he can point to no tangible results as proof of the success of his work. In this larger work for humanity, one must take its fruitage, fruitage on faith. This is important because I hear people, oh, we don't know where the watch is. 
the watches are successful. They couldn't help but be successful. Just because we don't see some major thing going happening doesn't mean the watch isn't successful. So I love this. This is why. And we must be fitted to know this and to take on this larger work and this larger responsibility and not complain if we don't see some immediate fantastic result. Okay? Because the results are going on. Thank you, Mr. Carpenter. And thank you, Linda. Thank you. Plus, that really means that you're expecting a certain thing to happen yes. too, when you shouldn't be. Shouldn't be outlining. Yeah. Mrs. Mrs. Eddie asked, you know, does any, do Christian scientists pray as though their work has effect? This is part of it. You know, it's God's word we're sending out. So we have to know that it has results, whether we hear it or not. Thank you. Absolutely, yes. And it's always working in the background. Sometimes you don't see it right away, but it's going on. It's happening. Trust it. Trust it. And eventually it will be made manifest, but who knows when and where and in what way. But you see, when you work on the weather, you you do get immediate results. And also, working on the weather is very impersonal. It doesn't involve any people necessarily, except maybe impersonal animal magnetism as wicked minds, <laughs> but that you defeat and know it cannot do anything, and it doesn't. So anyway, this is another beautiful booklet, and we're going to start to have the cover look like the Sentinel, which will also make it even more beautiful. I, I, I have one last comment about that. Um, in Bliss Knapp's, um paper or article on um, uh, the 91st Psalm. I love how he says uh, regarding the verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and fortress. My God, in him will I trust. <clears throat> and he says the very fact that you're praying means that the action of God is taking place in your consciousness and that it does have results. In him will I trust. However worried or depressed full of doubts or misgivings, still the very fact that you are praying means that you have faith. I love that. That's beautiful. And as we started out with, the truth is everything is perfect now anyway, so it's just a matter of seeing it. And we're not trying to matter. We're just trying to dispel the illusion or working to dispel the illusion, which was never true. Thank you, Karen. Um, well, I guess it's almost time, so a few of you sent some very lovely things in, but I, I wanted to end with, um, also in the responsive reading, I loved, and uh, Shardy mentioned it, thy raiment shall not wax old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. Bless the Lord his substance, and accept the work of his hands. Thy shoes shall be iron and brass, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. I love to work with that. As your day, so shall your strength be. That beautiful hymn, I take and trust my road. Uh, and Carrie, it's at a beautiful article on strength, which is going to be in our March Liberator, which... Has some very beautiful things that Gary will now conclude with.
Yeah, this is from uh, an article entitled Strength by Beth Hughes de Death from the Christian Science Sentinel in 1921. The Lord is the strength of my life, asserts David in that wonderfully eloquent and inspiring 27th Psalm. David had no belief of strength in matter. He attributed all his energy to the Lord, the supreme ruler. In the 13th verse, he proclaims, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that is the secret of strength. What a very simple solution after all, just seeing the goodness of the Lord expressed. That is perfect prayer and perfect praise. Strength does not mean physical strength, though this is generally the aftermath. There is the strength of purpose, strength to do right under trying and perverse conditions, strength to see good, though evil seems to predominate, and to keep the perfect vision in front of us till at last error yields and the condition vanishes as we see the goodness of the Lord in all things. The Lord is my strength, and this strength is perpetual, continuous, inexhaustible. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. There is plenty to draw from. This same strength is one of the unsearchable riches of Christ. Truth, it is limitless. Since the divine mind is strength and is everywhere, filling all space, here at this minute with you and me, then we have strength always at hand. The whole of this energizing force is ours, so long as it is rightly used. On page 183 of Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures, Mrs. Eddy says, Obedience to truth gives man power and strength. Submission to error superinduces loss of power. We must stick to the truth unflinchingly, and in proportion as we faithfully work, strength will be given for fresh conquests. God, good, must be first, last, and all the time. Then we shall be able to sing with David, It is God that girdeth me with strength, and maketh my way perfect. End quote. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.